Welcome to episode 156 of the Left Behind Game Club. This week, we play Grim Fandango. Let's get right into it. You're listening to the Left Behind Game Club. Left Behind Game Club, our never-ending attempt to make sure that no game is left behind. I'm your host, Katie Lesbrance, and today I have two friends with me. The first friend, you know him, you love him, his name is Michael Ruffalo. I'm so excited to be here and talk about another Tim Schafer game. Tim Schafer's the man. And our second friend, the first time joining us on the Left Behind Game Club, he is a podcaster. His name is J.E. Hey. Crowd goes wild. How y'all doing? We're doing great. Awesome. We're doing great. Thanks for being here, Jay. Yeah, no, this is exciting. Um, Always meant to play this game, and this gave me a reason to finish it, finally. You are a number one choice for an adventure game, like J.E.'s top list. (laughs) Yeah. Adventure games are my thing. Yeah. Are they really? Yeah, they are my thing. As some of these questions might, might reveal... Okay, give me give me the backstory. Like, what is your earliest adventure game? Uh, all of it. Yeah. So backstory. Uh, way 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 back when I was a wee lad. Uh, I'm thinking like this is probably like ninety ninety three to ninety four. I have most of my cousins are older. Um, so one of my cousins already graduated college. I'm just this little kid running around annoying him and he was always into computer games and of course back in 93 that's pretty much all you had computers and arcade right um and he would always play this game uh the secret of monkey island it was actually monkey island lechuck's revenge um and i would always ask him play video games so i could watch right i'm not big enough or smart enough to actually play any of these on my own but i'd like to watch him play uh and I didn't know English at the time either because my parents taught me Korean um, really little. So my cousin literally would have to translate the entire game to me because it's it's a if you don't know Monkey Island wow. is a point and click adventure game, completely text based. It's it's if you don't know what they're saying or what is the subtitles, I guess back then there weren't any voiceovers, so you couldn't read. English, you had no idea what's going on. So he had to translate everything. I didn't know I was no help to him. Um, probably annoyed him more than anything. But that was my first introduction. And then when he kind of started getting more into Xbox as that started coming out and um got over his Nintendo systems, he pretty much gave me all of his old games, old consoles, uh everything that he owned was pretty much mine so i got his nes i got a super nes i got his computer games uh and the ones i gravitated towards was monkey island the first one and the second one since he gave me both and that's pretty much been the majority of my gaming up until i was like seven was playing monkey island one and two um just because they are very difficult games um especially if you don't really have a good grasp on logic and the English language. <laughs> Obtuse logic. <laughs> yeah, yeah right, Obtuse right. logic. Well, logic that makes no sense at all. And sometimes the their puns, like the famous monkey mm-hmm. wrench. 
puzzle from Monkey Island mm-hmm. 2. Terrible puzzle, by the way. It's a terrible puzzle. I don't know if you guys played Monkey Island 2, but... I Yes, absolutely, yeah, I have. That, that puzzle so, uh, me. took me years as a kid, actually. Like, actual years. So, I will say, uh, and maybe, maybe we're hopping around a little bit from our usual format, but <laughs> I am not your typical uh, puzzle gamer. Yeah. Um, I love puzzles. I always find adventure games to, to have really obtuse puzzles that make me more frustrated and upset when I figure it out than gratified. Mm-hmm. Um, and without spoiling too much, I felt a lot of the same here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this one so, got yeah. me. I, I will say Grim Fandango definitely has some puzzles where I was just, I, I just didn't know. I, 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 I could not figure it out. And I'm pretty good at these these games, I, I think. Like, uh, I did Return to Monkey Island, no hints, played in three days, beat the whole thing. Uh, Broken Age, didn't look up any hints or anything. And I, all these, I always pick the hardest difficulty. Like, uh, Return to Monkey Island gave you, like, a more difficult with, like, when they say more difficult, they just add an extra... You know, in Grim yeah, Fandango, the occasional extra step yeah, to a puzzle. Occasionally, you like you like finally figured out this puzzle, and they're like, "No, you just got another hint to the same puzzle." So now you you could go have fun with that. So they just add extra steps. Hmm. Well, that kind of leads into the gauntlet, which we do with our uh, our guest hosts, our people that come on. Uh, one of the questions: What is your earliest gaming memory? It sounds like. Watching your cousin play adventure games is probably one of those. One of them. I don't know which comes first because my memory doesn't really work in chronological order. It just happens. Um, I just have bursts of memory. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that. But uh, uh, it could have been before. It could have been after. But we used to go to, in my head, it's a pizza hut, but it could just be some random pizza spot. Uh, But they had a Donkey Kong Jr. arcade machine. And I would play that every time we went to go get pizza. I would ask for quarters, throw that in there, and then that would be, like, what, 20 minutes of fun um, until my parents wouldn't give me any more quarters. But Donkey Kong Jr. also was a really strong core memory for video games in my head. So much so when it was out on... What what is it? Super NES or is it NES? I don't I don't remember which one came on. But I had the cart and I played that all the time. Uh, have you ever either pretended to be sick to get out of something so you could play a game, or I'll also include uh, even take vacation to uh, take a day off work, plan ahead to get everything out of the way so you can play something? Yeah. So I never called off pretending to be sick to play mm-hmm. video games, but I definitely took days like planned ahead and be responsible to my coworkers and be like, hey, by the way, I can't work this weekend. Uh, I probably lied about <laughs> why I wasn't like, oh, I got to play Destiny yeah. all weekend because the new raid drops or something. It's it's more like I have a dentist appointment. Yeah, there's can... important things happening yeah. that I cannot get out of. I just have yeah, to go. Yeah, that's unavoidable. Yeah, I, I didn't want people to know I'm a big nerd. So <laughs> uh, just, just lied about that. But um, yeah, I don't think I've ever like pretended I was not okay and didn't show up when people expected me to show up to play a video mm-hmm. game. But I've definitely asked for days off for big, big mm-hmm. gaming events. 
You're a better man than I. I've definitely <laughs> said, oh, I'm really? sick. I can't go to this party. I, 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 I'm, like, I'm just going to stay home. Oh, but it's a party. You know what I mean? It's not like you're you're skipping a day off at work or, or whatnot. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I, I, I usually don't skip on out friends. on work. For sure, I bailed on friends. <laughs> oh, yeah. video games. I'm like, you know what? This is the game, Last of Us. I could skip that college party. Hey, guys, by the way. Yeah. I'm still hungover from last night. I can't come out. And I'm just sitting playing Last of Us Factions on my couch. Uh, what? games would you say you've spent the most hours on it has to be destiny one by no contest like i'm scared no contest. of that hour because there's this website called time i wasted on destiny yeah uh, <laughs> time i've wasted on destiny specifically specifically destiny i've not heard of that and That's they fine. added destiny 2 to that statistic on that website but destiny 2 pales in comparison on how much I played Destiny 1. It's embarrassing how much I put into Destiny 1. I think I clocked in, I want to say like 1,800 hours Oh, or something like that. You know, <laughs> if you enjoyed it, then it's time well spent. Yeah, and that's what I said. it's because I had three characters. One of them was deleted, so technically I had four, and all of them had like at least, 600 or less on each of them and destiny one was something and like if you've ever played destiny you know most of the time it's not even playing the game most of the time it's waiting in orbit for your friends to jump on or it's just running around the tower doing nothing just literally just running around just kicking balls i don't know um destiny one was a wild time it was it was it was a lot of fun it was a very special time i think if you were there Never spent an hour with Destiny myself, but I will believe you. It, what is your most controversial gaming opinion most that you can think of? Controversial gaming opinion. What's your hot take? Yeah, this one I should have prepped a little bit because I know I have some. I definitely have a few that people would be like, you are wrong. Oh, oh, I know one. I know one that people will crucify me for uh i think the reboots of the lore croft games the tomb raider games uh are better than the uncharted series uh so the three tomb raiders the new tomb raiders are better than the four technically five uncharted games in my opinion i think they have a more fun progression as you go you upgrade lore as gear and guns and crafts and stuff like that and you get stronger as you go you learn more traversal mechanics as you play the game it just opens up more and then uncharted's the same note the entire time it has great set pieces and awesome story and awesome dialogue and all that and all that's way better than uh tomb raider but overall the fun i'm having minute to minute yeah. i'm having more fun in tomb raider than i am in uncharted makes sense yeah. also wet hair effects are better than wet shirt effects so <laughs> yeah i'm yeah. with you i'm with you and I'm those you. brutal uh, death scenes in, in uh tomb raider are, oh, tomb raider are, are, yeah horrible yeah horrible like i'm i cringe just thinking about just, them it made um, me not want to die where in uncharted i died hundreds of times and i'm like eh, it's fine i'll yeah. just try it again i've got one last question in the gauntlet i want to throw at you who is a superior Mario brother, Mario or Luigi? I mean, it's very important. It has to be Luigi. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> he could jump thank higher. You. 
Yes. He he's green. Green's Jay, I knew, a cool, I knew I liked you. cooler color. <laughs> and uh he's just a nicer guy. Mario's yep. kind of a dick, yeah. you know? Yep. Um there's the infamous what is it? Mario uh is it Mario Strikers or yeah, Mario Strikers where like he like rubs his foot into Luigi's foot every time Luigi wins. And I'm like, what is this? Why do you why did you guys put this in there? I'm not familiar with that, but I'm adding that to my pool of evidence yeah. as to why Luigi yeah. is the better brother. It's been hotly contested between the hosts. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh yeah. All right. So, but today we're gonna be talking about Grim Fandango. As we said, an adventure game, which is why we're here, uh, is developed and published by LucasArts. Recently, well, not recently, in 2015, it was remastered by Double Fine Productions. Tim Schafer, the developer, the the main developer with LucasArts on the original game, Double Fine and Disney got the rights to it. So he came back to his old game, did the remaster. Uh, Originally put out on Windows, the remaster was put out on Windows, Linux, Mac OS, PS4, PlayStation Vita, Android, iOS, Nintendo Switch, and Xbox One. Uh, Original released was October 30th, 1998, and the remaster was in January 2015. We're going to start off with the fast pitch, which is a one-sentence description of the game that we're going to talk about. Who would like to go first? I will go first. I will go first, and I will say that Grim Fandango is a point-and-click adventure game set in a neo-noir Aztec-inspired world. An Very good. Epic yeah. journey through the land of the dead as one finds his true love and the lessons they learn along the way. Along the way. <laughs> Very good. You both stole most of my points. So, you know what? That's, I'm that's gonna what you get for going to say it last. is it is. I'm going to say that it is a uh, a buddy comedy with puzzles. Hmm. Oh. With Mandy. Who's our buddy? Gladys. Gladys? Of course it's Gladys. I'm just, you know, I'm just double checking. The best character in the game, in my opinion. He's your best buddy. He's great. Yes, we'll get to characters. Absolutely. Uh, The time capsule we'll dive into first before we get into the game. The same day, released in 1998, Medieval. How do you say that game? Medieval. I've never. Medieval. Just medieval, right? Yeah, medieval. I guess. They just try and mix you up a little bit with those different capitals and stuff. Um, And then on October 31st, a game called Dual Heroes, which was apparently a very bad N64 fighting (laughs) game. Never. Um, So there was a couple games around then. But that year was full of ridiculous releases. Oh my god, that fall. The whole year, but also in the fall. There was uh, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time in November. Half-Life came out. The original, that year, the original Gran Turismo came out. Metal Gear Solid, Baldur's Gate, Resident Evil 2, Starcraft. Uh, Just a bonkers year for games. Baldur's Gate Um, 1 and 2. Sorry to interrupt. The original Baldur's Gate. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, you're right. Sorry, it was RE2. Yes. Uh, And the OG Baldur's Gate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and OG Starcraft. And Starcraft, man, changed the world uh, across the yeah. pond over at uh, in Asia. Mm-hmm. 
you both have already talked about your uh, experience with adventure games. I'll just fill in and say I also adore the Monkey Island games. Um, started playing them when I was a little kid. Uh, we had a demo of The Curse of Monkey Island, which is the third game. And I played that and thought, oh my God, that's the coolest thing. And then begged for the full game, played that through. And then found out there was two games before that, played those, and then would dabble in um, whatever demos of the other kind of LucasArts adventure games I could get my hands on, like Full Throttle. Uh, the Day, Day of the Tentacle. Yeah, Day of the Tentacle. Like just kind of, I picked around, but I kind of saved my my parental money begging for the Monkey <laughs> Island games. I'm so I, I occasionally went back and tried now it's kind of harder to get into adventure games, I think. Yeah. It's just a different mindset these days. So going back and playing them is a little bit tricky, but I'm kind of trying to because I'm like, I missed out on a bunch of them that I just didn't have the resources to get to as a kid. Yeah. Uh, have you have either of you played the newer entries to the adventure game genre, uh, such as Broken Age or Thimbleweed Park? So, so I, played, I yeah, so you go first, Katie. I played Broken Age uh, for this pod, actually. Um, I got a tiny bit frustrated. I think it's a uh, time crunch is not well suited to playing adventure games, which is why as a kid, it was great because I only had so many games. And so it's like, no, this is the game I have. And I will spend hours and hours and hours trying to figure it out because I don't have access to that many things. Thimbleweed Park. I I don't know what this is. Oh, uh, Thimbleweed Park was a game made by uh, Ron Gilbert, who is the man behind all the Monkey Island games, and essentially almost, I wouldn't say founded, but I would call him the father (laughs) of adventure games. Um, He created the Scum Engine. Uh, Tim Schafer essentially studied under this man, and they are... Good friends till this day, from what I could tell on Twitter. I don't really know, uh, but um, he he is the adventure game guy, and he went on this huge hiatus, did not make anything for a really long time, and he kickstarted this game called Thimbleweed Park, and he pretty much was like, "This game is gonna be true to form. I'm using pixel art, and it's gonna be." the point-and-click adventure game that you guys remember from the 80s. It's just going to have way more beautiful pixel art because we could do things that we never could have even dreamt of back in the 80s. And it was really good, really fun, uh, like time-manipulating type of point-and-click adventure game. It was it was really... It was a cool take on a classic-style point-and-click but brought to the modern era before what he did with Return to Monkey Island that came out uh, earlier this year. And the cool thing about Thimbleweed Park versus Return to Monkey Island, um, during the Thimbleweed Park time period, Ron Gilbert was really adamant about point-and-click adventure games should be pixel art. It should be uh, have a verb box. It should have an inventory, and it has to do all these things. It's not until a couple years ago Ron Gilbert kind of had this... Uh, I don't know how to describe it, but he kind of was like, you he know what? He kind of relaxed yeah. on his hard rules. He, he like, kind of, yeah. I've kind of realized I was not wrong, but I was a little too adamant about these things. So now I'm going to make Return to Monkey Island with this new art style, without hmm. a verb box, 
without all these traditional things. And I think it turned out to become one of the greatest Monkey Island games I've ever played. And honestly, it might be my game of the year right now, Return to the Monkey Island. Wow. I'm, I'm, I know that's a that might be my hot take, actually. Return to Monkey Island is my game of the year 2022 uh, over Elden uh, Ring and God of War. But I haven't played God of War yet, obviously. But, uh, <laughs> I, I also, think it's I played game. Return Return to Monkey Island, also picked up day one. That was very exciting. So yeah, I've, I've played a, a couple more recent ones, but I'll have to check out this Thimbleweed Park. It's great. Uh, Mike, you're going to answer whether or not you've played any recent... Yeah, I would say that I like the Telltale adventure games. I mm-hmm. like um, the Batman. <laughs> I like the um, Walking Dead. Um, I enjoy those. I, I like the... Um, what was the one that was based off of Fables? Uh with the oh. wolf. Oh. Uh, uh, wolf, among, wolf Among Us? Wolf Among Us. That's yeah. it. Exactly. Like that. Like, mm-hmm. I enjoy those games. Um, <laughs> but playing this made it clear to me what it, you know, what the elements are that I like and which are the ones that I don't mm-hmm. in uh, in adventure games. So, yeah. Okay. Interesting experience. So, speaking of Grim Fandango, the world, I think, of Grim Fandango, to me, is the most interesting part of this game. Does anyone want to kind of lay out the world and kind of the setting for us? Yeah, I'll take a crack at it. Uh, and and Jay, feel free to like hop in and, and add to it or correct me if I get some things wrong. But the world is largely built off of, I think like uh, the Aztec, um, Aztec mythology around what the afterlife looks like. And with a combination of Dios de los Muertos, like the Day of the Dead um, in, in Mexican culture. Um, and you take the role of um, a salesman of life packages or essentially afterlife packages. Um, it's a travel, travel package, Yeah, travel agent <laughs> along your way through the afterlife to getting to heaven or hell. Um, and... Uh, you end up finding corruption along the way. And I think what's really interesting is like ancient Aztec beliefs were like you're, you're buried with two sets of gold, one for for you to have there and another for people to rob you, uh, rob of you, which um, makes a lot of sense why there's like this noir crime element of the uh, of Grim Fandango that it's, oh, that's it's, really you know, funny that there's like organized crime within it. And so, you know, what we end up finding throughout the game is it's all a big racket. It's all a big conspiracy. Um, you've been set up the whole time. Spoilers. Are we are we yeah, spoiling the game during this podcast? Yes. Uh, are we jumping around it? We will. Okay. Uh, we'll, okay. I, we'll jump around a little bit longer and then we'll we'll set kind of a spoiler ta- like time and say from here on out wide open. Uh, I'll try and not, you know. At the end open, of the game, like... Manny goes to space <laughs> and finds the Martians. The end. <laughs> And shoots Gladys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, that's that's a more in-depth description of this interpretation of the land of the dead. The only thing I have to say is it it very much made me very curious about this culture and made me want to look things up and see like what is historically accurate. Do they really did they really believe like when you uh, pass, you take this grand journey and some people have it easier than others. Like, is all this somewhat 
factual not factual but you know what i mean like actual yeah how accurate of a representation of of it did they actually do in a a game in you know what 90 in 98 by by, i'm assuming probably not a group of developers who are i'm assuming not super uh ingrained in the culture but obviously obviously the research i'm looking this up quite a bit but it, it was developed in california um, and there's, you know, California at one point was part of Mexico, the largest Hispanic yeah. population there. I don't know what the makeup is, but I do know all of the voice acting cast, they're all Latino. Um, Which I feel like you could tell. Yeah. That it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't a caricatured accent. There was a couple parts where I was like, oh, did he, did he have to say like, oi, chihuahuas? I was like, oh, did yeah, he yeah, have that to part. I laughed during that line though. I, I thought that was <laughs> I really laughed, funny. absolutely. <laughs> But uh, but as far as like yes, the voice acting, I thought was really great. Yeah, yeah, I I learned a lot of cool slang uh, from this, where I had to ask my girlfriend, "Hey, what does this mean? What does this mean? Hey, what does this word mean?" Because uh, ah, yole, he says that all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what does he say? Cabron. Uh, I really liked that we we dove into a uh, travel agency. We drove into. Uh, uh, corrupt organized crime, uh, running casinos, and it, it kind of got into like the mundane aspects of each of those things, which I thought was really funny. Of just like how do people get their memos, and like how do those get sent around, and and who how does the prioritizing of who gets which case happen? And I thought that was really interesting, even though it's kind of the most boring stuff, even in like the organized crime and the running of the casino. And they're like, no, how it gets shut down. And I, I thought I'm so it was with so you. funny. I'm so with you. The, the, the elements that make it feel like it's a real world, like it's not mm-hmm. just some yes. like dream, dream place. Um, I thought I thought it was a ton of fun. And within like the revolutionary... Uh, leaders too and how mundane some of that is and they're like no we need another uh, carrier pigeon get us carrier pigeons like that's funny to me well i i even thought that they weren't even gonna play a major role at all like i thought that was just like Mm -hmm. a small joke that you're only gonna see these characters for this small moment in time and maybe they'll make a return but i never thought they would actually account for anything (laughs) like i I, because the way they portray them at the first uh time you meet them i'm like ah these guys are never gonna get anywhere (laughs) they're still looking for pigeons they gotta hatch them and grow them and train them they gotta do all this still also it felt is it just me or did it feel so tim shapery in just in the characters and the writing like i got real psychonauts vibes Mm. just from the characters it made it more clear to me what Tim Schafer's strength is, and mm-hmm. that is like character and world building. Yeah. Yes. Like, Maybe not puzzles. Ex- yes. Exactly. <laughs> it might not be puzzles. Yeah. Character and world building. Like, I just wanted to spend so much time in the world um, and with those characters. Like, I love them. I love the world of it. I just, spoilers, didn't love this game. Really? Yeah. Okay. Man. So. I, I, I feel you, Mike. I kind of came in. No, I, okay. There are parts of this game that I love and there are parts of this game that I don't. Uh And I look, I look at it positively. I don't think of it as a bad game. I like the game, but 
as far as my favorite adventure games, it's one of my favorite stories and like worlds and characters and adventure games. As far as my favorite adventure game, it's not because I don't think that they set up a lot of their puzzles very well. No, not at all. I don't all. think like some of them are so obscure in a way that you you have to accident your way into your solutions like way too often to me mm-hmm. where I'm like, I know I need like a little bit more, not handholding, but like I need you to like breadcrumb me just a tiny bit so that I go, oh, what about this thing over here? And I and it kind of edges you along. It doesn't really. It does sometimes. And even then, it's you might not find that thing that kind of tells you that hints at the thing that you need. Like you might not even see that. So they don't set everything up super well. I 100% agree. I think the puzzles were... A lot of the time, they're so hard. They were atrocious. Like, <laughs> I mean, right off the bat, can you guys just know what your least favorite puzzle was? Because I know mine right away. I, I mean, I I could probably think of a few. I, I have a few, but, but one just got me. I was like, this is ridiculous. You know what? Bef- before we, you know what? We'll just set the the spoiler zone. It is open. If you have any interest in playing Grim Pendango and don't want any puzzles spoiled or anything like that, maybe hop out, play the game, come back. Because, uh, yeah, we're just we're in the spoiler zone. So what was the one? The, What's the most hated the puzzle for you? One that I just, it broke me to the point where I was like, I just, <laughs> I, I have to look it up. Like, there's no, there's no way I'm figuring it out. And it turned out, it's the one where you have to open up the cigarette case that belongs to the, the lawyer. Nick. I, yeah. I forget his name. I think Nick is right. And... I'm like, I know I have to get it open. I saw the key fall out, obviously. They made a very poignant... Very apparent. Yeah. Very, <laughs> very obvious. <laughs> like, it was like a five-second clip, and I was like, okay, there's a key in there. He says there's a key in there. I'm looking all over Rubicabra, like, <laughs> trying to figure out how to do this thing. And during my travels, trying to figure it out, I, I went up to talk to Carla, I think her name is. Yeah. Security... Uh, guard that does the metal detector thing and by the way her everything surrounding her awful puzzle wise <laughs> um but she has although this, but she has some of my favorite lines oh, she has, yes i love the dialogue oh my great God. Stuff. Yeah. but there's this small little hatch right next to her i never saw the hatch i never even noticed the hatch I, until i used the hatch yeah i didn't notice it until one time i pressed a on it but i was pressing a a bunch so i just skipped through all that dialogue and i was like oh well that's fine. I'll just press A again, like inspect it, not A, it's Y. I played on the Switch. I inspected it. And he said something different. And I was like, oh, well, maybe the first thing he said wasn't that important. I just won't think about it. Like, it's not that important. And essentially, I thought that was a, from what I gathered from the small bits of the conversation I didn't skip, it sounded like that was a bomb shelter for Carla to go into in case there's a bomb threat for her to hide in inside and i was like okay that's probably tied to another puzzle i don't have to worry about it right now and i went all around rubicon and eventually i looked it up and i was like you put the cigarette case pretend to carla that it's a bomb and then she'll put it into the bomb thing and it explodes and i was like and then she takes out the key and gives it to you which doesn't make any sense yeah and she's like oh there's something left over in here but i was like that whole time that thing was a bomb to explode things, that could have been so useful for me to know if that one dialogue 
was just a repeatable piece of dialogue, not like a one-off that you just, if you miss it, you miss it type of thing. And then you can never hear it again. Mm-hmm. You know, the 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 uh, solution to that puzzle was a one dialogue that gets replaced by a new dialogue if you do it again. And that bothered me because it's the only clue and you could only hear it one time. And I was like, okay, like that, that's, I hated that puzzle. And then that, because we said we were on a time crunch, that opened the water gates to me kind of looking things up. And I was like, I ha- I have to put my phone down. Like, I got to stop this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Just to say, like, I don't have a puzzle that I hated the most because I got frustrated about somewhere around a quarter or a third of the way through and just said, I'm using a guide. I'm using a guide. I'm, I'm, pl- I'm playing through this as if it's a movie I in mean, a lot of ways. It was mm-hmm. the Petrified Tree puzzle that got you, wasn't it? It was probably around there. Yeah, when you're absolutely. In the forest and it's the tree that pumps, and then you got to figure yes. out that you got to put the sorry, you got to put the <laughs> cart over the lines. And then you got to make Glottis spin. And I was like, yeah. So, sorry, this is a quick aside, but I this is my second time playing this game. I played this game originally when it launched on PlayStation Four, and I played it all the way up to that puzzle, and I was stuck on, and I was playing it on stream. Um, and I was streaming it, so people were trying to help me, and they're like, I don't need a clue. I got this. I'm going to do it. And I did this for days. And eventually, I just dropped the game. I was like, I can't. I'm, I'm done with this game. I can't solve this puzzle. It's over. Maybe I'll come back to it, and it'll just come to me. And it didn't, ever. And years later, Katie asked me to be on this podcast, so I got to that puzzle, and it just that's when it just clicked. And I just started pushing this card around, and I was like, oh, it changes the... That's the solution? And it it was, and then it led to a puzzle that was even more difficult after. So I was like, okay, this game, yeah. this game. Yeah, there's one after that. Uh, so I used um, a like internet hint system thing far more for this game, more so than any other game I've ever played. Yeah. As far as like a puzzle game. I use there's a uh, there's one website that basically gives you like staged hints. I use that like once. like the new um, yeah, yeah where they're like oh how do I how do I open the cigarette case and it'll give you like hint by hint so it'll say like oh maybe talk to Carla and then like it'll like gra- gradually be more and more specific until t- finally say like give her the cigarette case say it's a bop 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 it's the same one where it's like after the third hint it's like hey this next hint is gonna be a spoiler just be careful yeah it's like new hint system or something i will find it but it's it's very nice i like it a lot um because i don't want to just be told what to do like i give me a chance like give me little tidbits and maybe i'll get there um you were saying right after that puzzle there was an infuriating one that you couldn't get i was never gonna get that I had to throw the bones into the tar lake. And then when the flaming uh, beavers, because there are flaming beavers in this game, because of course there are, are jumping over the, the little like cliff over top, you have to fire extinguish them in that moment. Yeah. I was never going to get that. Yeah, I hated that. Ever. The, I ran I tried, up to the beavers and would put them out and yeah, then they would run like, over have- to the flame and relight themselves. Exactly. I'm like, I have a fire extinguisher. I'm like, I got this. And I was like, oh, that's not all, which is great. I'm like, I like that kind of fake out where you're like, oh, I think I got it. No, I don't. But I don't have any indication of how to actually solve this. Yeah. 
Um, my, another big one is that stupid ticket printer oh, that you have to trade God. in the photo that Lola gives you of the cat race. Yeah. And then you have to for some somehow you have to know that you have to like trade that in and somehow she planted the other photo behind the counter and you have to swap out the photos. You don't know that at all. You you have nothing. You have this one picture and you have to combine the information from that picture with something that the casino uh, owner tells you. And with that, you have to know what date uh and race you have to print and then that gives you the photo of this affair like I was never going to yeah. get that, ever. That puzzle was really frustrating. So all of it I pretty much got, except for the last photo. I was like, I just can't get this tattoo artist to look at me. Give me the time of day. And then I figured out I had to get Naranjo to pass out or whatever. And then that in itself, I was like, how do you do this? Mm. I didn't realize you mm-hmm. had to open the fridge to be able to get... Toto Santo and the Naranjo to look away so I could put yeah. the thing in the bottle or what and I was like this is just well, this is a lot um but I got I got the the cat in the right outside the litter it said the the second week the Olivia craft yeah. or whatever you talk to the other guy that's a mean dude that wouldn't accept your tickets cuz he's like oh this is a fake if you talk to him without giving anything, he's like, I told you, I only give the kitty hats on Tuesday. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah. Tuesday. That's the only time a day is mentioned. It has to be Tuesday. So two, Tuesday. But what's the last one? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That one was frustrating. There's also, really early on, the, the sign that spins with the... Oh, yeah. Didn't get that either. <laughs> it took me... You have to move the sign. You can just pick it up and move it. Yeah, that's all you got to do is just move the sign. And I'm just following. I'm putting it down. I'm driving into the hole that the sign tells me to point to. And I'm like, none of these are working. It's taking me nowhere. And eventually I was move the sign, move the sign, move the sign. I was like, stupid, stupid. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's very frustrating. My other frustration is just I... I appreciate what they tried to do as far as making it, um, try and make it 3D and trying to make like the set, the, the Environment screenshots pre-rendered. interesting. Yeah. Yes. And like different, uh, dynamically a little bit different and the point of view a bit different, but that made it so confusing of where you are and where, when you go off to a certain place, like when you go to another screen, sometimes it changes the whole mm-hmm. viewpoint. And you're looking at things from a different perspective. And then you, I don't know where I'm going. So it made just um, navigating the environment much more difficult than than I thought it needed to be. Yeah. Mo- most times I couldn't solve puzzles because I didn't even know you could go to a specific area at all. I, I didn't even know yeah, this whole it's not area obvious. existed. And I looked it up. I was like, oh, it's because I just didn't know there was two other screens that I had to explore and get items and hints and puzzles and stuff i didn't even know about i thought it was just like these three screens especially in year three when you only had a very few amount of places to go um i was just missing a complete whole section for days i was stuck there see i thought that was a little bit easier because i was because i was like oh there are a few areas for me to go to 
Yeah. So the it's more contained. Like the puzzle was a bit more contained so I could figure it out a bit better. Right. And usually I like it when puzzles are sprawling out to a lot of different places and I kind of have to piece it together. But when the puzzles are this hard, it got it got difficult and, and frustrating. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like I don't like this game. <laughs> it does. It's, it does sound it a bit like that. It sounds like I don't. But the, I but I love the characters so much. I'm so with you. I would love to play any other type of game in this world with Even these characters. Even just a new one. Than, oh. Even just a this. new Grim Fandango. Finishing this game, I was like, I would love this to be from the ground up, just remade, put it in the art style of Return to Monkey Island or like Broken Age or something like that. Get all the returning voice actors, those who can, and just do this again, but with a different like mode of going from point A to point B, because obviously they would have to redo all the scenes and stuff if they're going to redo it from the ground up and make it fully 3D explorable. Um, but keep the story exactly the same and all of that. I would love to replay this over again with like updated puzzles that make sense and... <laughs> Uh, or are just or are just hinted at a little bit better. Yeah. Or just breadcrumbed a little bit better so that you're gonna get there. Right. Because they can be illogical. That's fine as long as like there's something there to lead you to where you're gonna get. In, to. in most traditional point and click, especially old ones like this, there's always a dialogue hint for all the puzzles, except for this game. This game is the only time <laughs> when I experience like. Yeah. There's just nothing. Like they don't give you. You just have to no like oh because of this i have this item and i remember from forever ago there's this one place i just have to know that they go one to one um whereas other games would be like oh yeah i i I wonder how that bomb shelter is happening carla's thing that might be like they would hint at it i don't know how they would do it i'm not a game writer but you know especially one that's as complicated as this one but um no, like I would love a remake of this or a sequel. I, I I wouldn't. I don't know how they would do a sequel. It'd have to be whole new characters or something. But another game in this world would be amazing. I just yeah. I I really love the world building. I really love the characters. I just didn't really love this game. Yeah. Um. I and I I think I can totally see why at the time in '98. This was such a stylistic game. The voice acting's really good. The writing's really clever. Like, for the time, I can see this game being phenomenal, you know? Like, a, a very easy 10 out of 10. Yeah. Um, especially with what the expectations were in terms of adventure games. But boy, I'm, I'm just not feeling it today in the year 2022, you know, in the future years. It, yeah, no, that's totally fair. In 98, it probably is one of the best stories ever told in video games. Because even to today's standards, I think this story yeah, holds has up pretty well uh, still. Yeah, the writing holds up. Yeah. The writing is funny. It's um, like even I think to um, we, talk, we briefly mentioned earlier, Carla, once you get her to to take you into like the back search room and she starts talking and she like has a thing for you. But so she's like, oh, you just got back here to, to get my um, metal detector. my metal detector. And at first I was like, no, not at all. And she'll just keep talking and talking and you can make little interjections. Like she'll be like, oh, something about dates. 
And you can say like, I never really liked dates. And like you put that out there, but she just, and she just keeps talking. Yeah. And eventually she gets to start. If you just let her keep going, she talks about like her mother and how much she hates her or something like that. Like she, it gets dark and she gets really angry about random things. And, and she like delves into her childhood traumas and stuff. And I'm like, Whoa, this is taking a turn. And it's hilarious. And the whole time you can be like, yeah, sure. Oh, how about that? And then once she gets uncomfortable, your, all your comments are just like, uh, okay then. And like, Manny's just getting more and more uncomfortable. Oh, so I didn't want it to stop. I was like, no, I'll just sit here. I'll just let this run. Yeah. The writing is really, really good. The other thing that I would say is for 98, this is also a game that I think is probably written for a bit of an older audience. Um, yes. Than 100%. what I think you might expect out of video games at the time. Because it references all kinds of like, noir films of the 20s 30s 40s um like double indemnity um like casablanca you know Mm -hmm. like it's got all of these little like homages within it um that made me be like oh this is also not a kid's game you know in the way that kids games exist yeah and i mean just look at the content of the story there's mobs there's death there's assassinations there's uh, all sorts of crazy the guns are being flung around everywhere. I mean, they shoot. Yes, flowers. but I mean, the guns, right. the guns turn people into flowers. <laughs> you know, it's. I feel like watching Batman the animated series as a kid had mobs and guns yeah, and yeah. you know, yeah. like more serious stuff. So, like I, that for me wasn't the giveaway right. as much as some of the other stuff. How it's one of my favorite little world building little world things was that if they get shot, if they die. They got sprouted, yeah, because because they like lie down and you know become one with the earth because they're all like skeletons are already already dead. So it's like, but they're not actually dead because they're still moving around. But if you're sprouted, like no, you're one with the ground and lilies are growing out of you. That's hysterical. Related to that spoiler, okay. But when you when when your main character gets shot, uh, it just happens to be shot with a slow acting, uh, a slow acting one that you can. Yeah, that you. Well, can, you just uh, took all the stop. all the fast acting stuff from his uh, florist Bosley or whatever his name is. Right, right. Well, I think it's just interesting that like the the types of bullets aren't like oh it'll just kill you like it'll just yeah you know it's like oh there's different types yeah I, I yeah. think it's like a new tech that they just made these, <laughs> these sprouting right. bullets that Hector Lamans has been working on in the dark for years and years and years. Uh, but I thought it was so dark that all the, like, all the, what do, you, what do you call the people that do the autopsies? Oh, the corners. The corners yeah, corner. were florists in their previous life. Yes. And so they're like, <laughs> they were this happy people that just love plants. But now they're like digging through the dead and like trying to figure out yeah. how the dead died. And, so, and I'm like, man, that is a. That sucks. That's like probably the worst transition from life to death that you could do. This guy who did everything for the cause of better of the world, now he has to look at dead bodies all day. I feel like Floris, though, is often like a uh, in uh, certain movies and such is often like a uh, hidden the fake job right. for like gangsters yeah, and yeah. Uh, mob members and stuff. They're like, oh like yeah, the cover. florist. It's a front. Yeah, like I feel like the cleaner was often a florist. Right. And that was his cover. So it made perfect sense to me. I'm like, yeah, of course they're florists. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the, I personally really did enjoy 
this game. And it sounds like I was down on a lot of the puzzles. I think for the most part, because of my the the amount of adventure games I play and how often I play them, I think for the most part, most of the puzzles came to me pretty naturally. Like I would play through and I go, oh, know exactly where that goes. Oh, I know not exactly how to use it, but I know that this is connected to this puzzle. And, and I could see... Like, I could differentiate between this goes to this puzzle, this item's for this puzzle, this item's probably for both puzzles. And I could kind of mentalize all that in my head as soon as I pick up a new item. I know immediately where I generally have to use it. It's just getting there in this game often presented more steps than I realized, and these steps were never explained. And when I got there, or they would add a step that I wasn't expecting and it just wouldn't make sense. Like, and a lot of times it didn't even have to do with the items. It had to do with the location and also. Yeah. Or just how you did it. Yeah. Or, you, or it was many, like, Oh, don't, but you didn't pick that up. It was just the way that you use that item yeah. in that moment, whether or not you like use it himself or you used it on the yes. thing. It was very particular. That happened a lot. Like you had to either place it or use it or like, give it to someone to use it and sometimes even it was a pixel thing where like i yeah. thought i was clicking it but or, the right area but no i was looking at a wrong item because manny's head wouldn't turn the way i thought it would or whatever and i wasn't just always missing the button prompt or whatever that happened a lot on the last chapter near the very end when i was like trying to find uh uh Salvador in the back I just couldn't find the right spot and I also there was in Toto's the tattoo guy's place I just never could hit the bottle um even if I was right yeah. next to it he always said but it's empty I'm like I'm not looking at the cabinet I'm looking at the bottle <laughs> that I reminds didn't even me see the do, cabinet. You, do you know anyway. why like I, I couldn't figure this out like all of the, or a lot of the characters have like they're named after fruits like um, Salvador Limon, or like huh. Limone, which is lemon. Um, Naranja is orange. Um, I never I, noticed I, that. I mean, yeah, I just could, I wasn't sure what it was like meaning, like what it meant, what it was referencing, because everything has like a bit of a, um, what's it called, like meaning behind it. You know, like Manny's yeah. last name means skull. Um, it could just be Tim Schafer's sense of humor. You know, right. yeah. like that's just yeah. funny that people are named after fruits and puns. That's fair. That's fair. I made fun of one of my high school teachers because his last name translated to chestnut. So I'd call him Mr. Chestnut every day. That's pretty I'm good. sure he loved you. No, he, he, he would say, Ruflo, I'm going to suplex you through this table if you keep it up. So, yeah, not a fan. Yeah, I... I totally agree with you jay that you have that there is a like certain lingo that you just develop playing a lot of these games that you just kind of figure out you intuitively start to know how you can use things and where they go and and kind of what category you're going to put certain items in um kind of like with any game if you're really if you play a lot of rpgs you know the ins and outs of rpgs right you like it i think you can apply that to a lot of different game genres but that's the thing with this game is that there's there would just be something hidden that would not stand out to me that I wouldn't grasp. Like I said, in that tattoo artist uh, room, 
I didn't even know there was a cupboard there. Mm. And then I had to look at my hand and they're like, yeah, get the thing out of the cupboard. I'm like, what cupboard? And then I went back. I'm like, oh my God, there's a tiny little cupboard above this counter that I would have never seen. I don't even know. I, I was waiting to use the um, the freeze spray yeah. for a long time. I kept on trying to use it on so many things. Same. And I'm like, I'm going to be able to use this again. I still in my inventory. I know I can use this again. And then when you get shot and you're starting to sprout and I'm like, <gasps> it's time. It's time <laughs> to break out the freeze spray. I knew it. Yeah, I that one always got me in the freaking grinder in that last year. I kept using it on oh, everything. Yeah. I'm like, I I just don't know what I'm supposed to use this for. Uh, did you? There's a lot of hidden jokes too. Like, did you ever use the grinder on top of the actors that were in the suits? No. <laughs> if you use a grinder on top of the ladder and grind some bone on there, he would be like. Hey, uh, have you ever thought about dandruff shampoo? And nice. the other guy's like, no, why? He's like, no reason. And you do it again. Nice. You know, dandruff shampoo is actually really popular nowadays. Hey, what are you getting at? <laughs> no, nothing at all. Nothing. <laughs> and there's a lot of See, cool, I, like, I funny that. hidden jokes that you could like find around. Um, I think there was a particular moment where you get, uh, I think you get, you get an item and then you could show it to people and they'll say something about it. But if you, but it's a key item. And if you use it too soon, you won't get any of those dialogue options. And it's just like small jokes like that are hidden throughout the entire game that just rewards people who are stuck because you're, you are using this item on everything. And that's what was my favorite thing about monkey Island was if you Mm -hmm. use the wrong item on something, there's usually a joke attached to it. It's not just, I can't do that here or whatever. That's like a pretty common adventure time phrase or adventure time adventure game phrase. Yeah. It's the, the layered on jokes when it's not part of the natural game. It's like, no, you're just over here trying this and you'll stumble upon a joke. It is one of my favorite things. Absolutely. About adventure games too. Yeah. Um, Jay, I think you mentioned that you played on switch. I did. Yes. Interesting. How does that go? Is there a lot of like touch uh, controls or? So there are touch controls that you could use. I did not like them because um, it's like to use items on things, you have to press and hold and then move your thumb up or left or right to interact with a specific way. Uh, so I never use the touch controls. I only used it if I'm being lazy and I'm laying down. I only have one hand. I would touch because you could double tap and then manual start running to wherever you double tap. Mm-hmm. And so I wouldn't have to have my right hand on the stick. I could just tap and then Manny would automatically run. Or no, I didn't have to have my left hand on the R button to have Manny run. I could just double tap and he'll automatically run to where he would go. Um, but for the most part, I didn't really use the touchscreens besides that. But I, especially during year three and four, I got a lot of audio and visual bugs. I don't know if you guys got any mm. of those. Where like Manny would be holding a cigarette indefinitely and he'd just have a <laughs> cigarette on all the time. Or sometimes his arm would be in the back when he's seated down, so his arm's yes. clipping into the back of a of a couch or something, but he's like sitting and having a normal conversation. Uh I got a lot of bugs. So I, I did not. A... No, I no bugs. I was on PC. And how did you uh, go about controlling? Did you use the uh, 
mostly yeah, a controller. Control. Mostly really? a controller, yeah. Um, which for the most part worked really well, but sometimes when you move from one screen to the next, like let's say you're holding right and you want to go on the right side of the screen mm. into yeah. the next frame, sometime holding right would make you actually then go back to the screen that you came from. Yeah. Um, which, you know, modern design doesn't do, but games from 98 do. Quick question on... Um, in terms of... Shoot, where, where was I going with this? Controller? Yeah, Yes, controller. So one of my biggest issues with Grim Fandango towards most old point-and-click adventure games is... Obviously, you played most of these on PC back in the day, so you're using your mouse to have a cursor around the screen. And in a lot of adventure games, when you put a cursor over something that is interactable, on the bottom of the screen, it says uh, Carla, right? Yeah, it'll say what that yeah. thing is. Yes. And then sometimes it says walk to Carla, talk to Carla, if, that's a, if it's a verb box game. Uh, but even in a game like Grim Fandango without a fur box, you, it would be like, go to Tar- Carla. And then you'd look over to her left. It would be like uh, metal detector. And then it would go stack of files or whatever. I, I found the most frustrating thing I had with this game was I just didn't know what was interactable and what wasn't. So I found myself <clears throat> trying to interact with items that, had no interaction whatsoever. So I would like use the nitro- liquid nitrogen on this random pixel that's on the wall because it looks like something important and it looks like I could use liquid nitrogen on it. But I can't, and all Manny says is, oh, it's almost empty. I should probably save it. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, I just wish there was a way to know this pixel is a real pixel versus this is just set dressing. You know? Did you have yeah. that on PC? Did it... If if you put your cursor over something, would it say something or? It would be very similar. So I also played on PC. I did not even mess with um, like directional controls. I played the whole game uh, point and click with the mouse. And like it's meant to be played. But so, yeah, exactly. And also, I I always have um, you know terrible memories of what to me the disastrous. I still enjoyed it, but the disastrous fourth Monkey Island game, which used tank controls, and I hated it so much that I'm like, no, I'm not using directional controls for this because I, it brings back bad memories. Um, but if you hover your mouse over interactable items, it does change the look of the cursor. That's so um, And I believe it does say what the item is. And then, but not specifics. Like, you'd have to say, like, look at... Uh, the item, and then you'd get a bit more of description. Also, inventory. No, thank you. <laughs> I don't like this inventory system. Yeah. I don't like scrolling through my items. I want to see them all at once. I want to see them all laid out for me. I don't want to go flipping through each thing that he has in his jacket, and then every time he takes out his scythe, and he, un- and he click, clack, click, clacks it open, I'm like, the first few times, I was like, oh, that's cool, and he click, 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 clacks it back. But then when I'm trying my scythe on a bajillion different things and I keep pulling it out, I'm like, can I just skip his click clacking his scythe open? I like that it is functional and that they've made it so that he has a scythe that he can put in his inside of his jacket pocket. It's a nice world thing, but I don't want to watch it happen a billion times. Yeah, I'm with you. Luckily, the scythe have- wasn't used in too many puzzles. 
Uh, no, but I thought it would be, right. so I kept trying to use it. So it didn't really matter if it just wasn't used that many times. It was my anyway. last resort uh, thing because of how long it took to take out. I'm like, I'm not going to, yeah. unless I know the scythe is the answer, I'm not even going to bother. <laughs> it takes away too. And then yeah. he's like, my scythe, I like to keep it where my heart used to be. He says that all the time. Yeah, and I'm like, I, I can't listen to this all the time. Um, I did have one bug that I had a couple of different bugs, but the big one that happened twice was all of a sudden Manny didn't like walk, like he didn't move his legs. He stood straight as a board and he just floated, floated. <laughs> everywhere. And it didn't stop for a long time. Like I moved environment Tank to controls. environment and he just stayed that way. I talked to people and he just never moved his legs. And Wild. it was it was kind of fun. Yeah. But yeah. That is a that's a pretty crazy bug. I didn't get anything crazy like that. I think I got one T pose from like a NPC somewhere. Um but not no like floaty type of bugs. Mine were just like random physics stuff with arms flinging around and like items not attached like uh the cigarette would be somewhere else and stuff like that. Um which I thought was weird in a game this old that I I was encountering so many bugs. That there is- even B T poses. Yeah, stuff like that. Um, <laughs> For NPCs. Did you guys switch between remastered and original graphics pretty often? I did it a few times just to see what the difference was. And then other than that, no, I didn't. I did it all the time. And every single time I'm like, you know, they could have just re-released this game and I would not have complained. It doesn't look that much better. <laughs> It's not remastered in a way that that looks impressive. No. I can see the changes, but I'm not thinking like, oh, this looks so great now. Like, no, it looks very similar. The edges are smoothed out and there's um, there's dynamic lighting. Yeah, the lighting So is... there's like shadows on Manny right. as you're walking around. Or like you could see other Manny's face better in certain instances yeah. and can't in other instances. But yeah, I was kind of let down by the remastering i'm like none of this looks fantastic i mean the game for its time it's great art like this is really good hand-drawn scenes and stuff like that but yeah i I didn't i didn't really think it needed the remaster necessarily no i feel like like i said earlier if they just redid the game completely i'd be 100 percent interested on playing this again but i i didn't think the remaster was all that impressive yeah, I'd agree. Um, I, I, you know what? I was going to start going into the wrap-up, but I forgot to mention that Glottis is my best friend. Glottis is the best. Don't you want to go to a casino with Glottis? I mean, at some point you're going to lose him and, and he's, he's probably going to get arrested. But I want to hang out with Glottis. Glottis the is the best. He's my fun, favorite yeah. character. He's a, he's a great demon. He's, he was... he's such a good demon. He's the best demon. <laughs> He was very with fun, and I loved by year three, Manny and Gladys's relationship was just inseparable. They were they were tight, like the tightest mm-hmm. bros you could ever be. Uh, to the point where um, they shove Gladys off, and Manny thinks he's dead. Uh, and I was like, "Damn, that really sucks." And then like when Gladys collapses from not driving for a year yes that's fine yeah and like manny's like how could i not have seen this and manny's like a changed person (laughs) in year four like he's a different guy um but gladys was great meche i think she was 
terrific. I think she was a really good mm-hmm. character. I really liked her a lot. Um, there were a couple plot points where I was like, I don't know about this. Like when she throws a bottle in year two at his head, I was, and she explains later. I was still like, you, you a couple it words very quickly could have happened. Like you could have said something or I don't know, like done a little bit of help there instead of just throwing a bottle at my head. Um, but yeah, I really like all the characters a lot. Meche, Gladys, Manny, um, even the, mm-hmm. the sailor guy, I forget his name. Oh yes, the one the one that you go back and talk to and you tell and the he and he's like, No, you can't come on my boat unless you have this, this, yeah. and this. Did you ever inspect yeah. the moon while no. there? Oh. That's great. They do a little sea shanty and then like nice. Manny he finishes Manny's uh the end of the sea shanty for Manny. And um, if you keep inspecting the moon, like they, they at the end, he's like all together now. And they say it at the same time. It, it's a heartwarming nice. moment. I like sea shanties though. So. Yeah. And even the unionizing worker bees. Yeah. Terry. Great stuff. That was, that was a funny moment. I, yeah. I, I love the moment where you get credit with the hipsters, hipster yeah. revolutionaries by showing the, the signed letter that you received. Um, I really enjoyed that bit. Speaking of those guys, what do you think of the big twist at the end with Olivia and all of that? I was not expecting it. I wasn't expecting it, but I also wasn't emotionally invested in Olivia, so I didn't. I didn't really care. I wasn't like, oh my god, Olivia! Like I was like, oh, Olivia. Oh, okay, I see what happened, and the fact that she took out um, Salvador. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's a shame. But like, I wasn't. Um, I wasn't blown away or anything. It's a very standard trope for noir, so I was expecting it. Mm. That makes sense. That hundred percent makes sense. Um, I just, I just spent so much time in year two. I, I just got to know all those people very, very well. Uh, Olivia, I got because I thought that blue casket was more important than it really was, and so I spent yeah. a lot of time in there. And there's this cool thing. I don't know if you all did this but if you do a if you recite a poem at her open mic and then ask her to recite a poem she just does exactly what you just did yeah she copies and i i had a big good old time doing that where i just sat there making the longest dumbest poems and just having her recite all of them and so i i i had a i liked olivia and i liked her character and the whole vibe she gave off this uppity like hipster type of chick um and i liked all the the lingo that they spoke in that club or whatever. Um, and then when, when Salvador kills himself and her at the same time, I thought that was a cool moment. Yeah. It was very, uh, yeah. Spy film noir, uh, uh, big explosion. I was like, Oh, she's going to explode in the car. And so like gangster movie, you know, old Italian gangster movie, Godfather and all that. I was like, Oh, that's fun. Yeah. I liked it a lot. Um, is there anything else anyone wants to touch on? Before we get into the end of the show man i don't know i could talk i could talk about this game forever <laughs> I, I could talk about this we could move into monkey island we could do all sorts of things here we should talk about monkey island definitely at a later time absolutely um but before we head out i'm just going to mention the reviews for this game at the time were glowing like absolutely glowing it scored a 94 on metacritic I mentioned all the games that came out that year in 1998 and how 
um, just the level of games that came out. It was the sixth highest rated game of the year. Um, GameSpot gave it a 93 out of 100. Uh, Ron Dublin, Ron Doolin, sorry, said, in addition to being a very good adventure game, it features great writing and beautiful art direction. And IGN gave it a 94 out of 100. They said, hands down, the best adventure game we've ever seen. You'll love Grim Fandango's incredible art, storyline, and character development. Which at the time, it probably was the most incredible adventure game that we've ever seen. Um, thank you for joining us, Jay. Yeah, my I pleasure. cannot think of anyone more appropriate for this pod. So I thank you for coming on. Um, if you want to talk to us about, tell the good people about your podcast, about where the people can find you on the internets, all that good stuff. Yeah, uh, I host a podcast with my co-host Alex Gonzalez uh, called We Are Not Game Devs. Uh, essentially, what we do is we come in with a general idea. It doesn't even have to be very specific at all. It doesn't even have to be a video game. Sometimes we come in with, a, hey, I saw this movie once and I like this idea. Uh, and we turn it into a video game with uh, a somewhat of a story mechanics what the loop will be and we have a grand old time it's usually about 45 minutes to an hour of us just making up a game and then at the end we're like damn now i wish that video game was a real thing uh and it never will be probably um katie has... you two are very good at it. oh you two are that. so good at it <laughs> i don't even know you from where you start to where you get to and how well you do it, it's very impressive. I did. I came on yeah. and guessed it for one. We made a game, I remember, called Thingies. Yeah, Thingies. It was like oh. a Pikmin-like, I, I, I remember. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they evolve and change. Yeah. And you have to uh, do a lot of things with your thingies. <laughs> with thingies. That was that was the name we came up with. Hey, you know what? It's, it's a good name. It, it works. Everyone would remember thingies. Exactly. Uh, I mean, we got games called Tamron now, so uh, there's all sorts of names out there. Or Bugsnacks was another random name for a game. Was Bugsnacks out by the time we made Thingies? I don't think so. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, It'd probably I don't, be I don't pretty remember. close. Yeah, probably around there. But yeah, that's essentially what we do. We are not game devs on all your favorite podcast platforms. Um, and yeah. I also stream on twitch.tv slash at pound if you, anyone wants to do that. But I haven't done that in months because of current personal situations. But that's essentially where you could find me. Fantastic. Michael, Mr. Ruffalo. The fine folks can find, find me. <laughs> the fine folks can find me at Ruffalo M, Ruffalo M on most social places online or michaelruffalo.com or .ca or in the Discord server. By going to Left Behind Game Club or leftbehindgame.club slash Discord, and uh, it'll be right there. Katie, where yeah. can the fine folks find you at? They can find me on Twitter. I'm Les Brack, L E S P E R A K. I talk about what usually what I'm playing at the time, or I'm, I don't know things I like. We're complaining about the NHL. <laughs> what, what's or, in your or, bonnet with the NHL lately? That digital board. I'm still mad about the digital yeah. boards. I'm yeah. still mad. At first, I was like, these are fine. But now, no. they're hard to watch. They move. They yeah. move while, while players are playing in front of them. I don't need yeah. movement in front of movement. That's ridiculous. Anyway. Or I like CAD videos. You know, that's kind of the, the range that we're looking at. 
Um, you can find all things Left Behind at leftbehindgame.club. We are on Twitter at, at leftbehindclub, Instagram at leftbehindgameclub. And if you like the show, you could please do us two favors. One, send it to a friend. That's how people hear about podcasts. And two, give us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. And if it's four stars, as Jacob would say, don't bother. <laughs> don't bother. Don't bother. All We're right. We're only out and here for those five stars. Five stars are nothing. All right. And how do we sign off, Mike? Let people hear it. And that, my friends, is one less game left behind. Hey, I'm Jacob McCord. I'm Katie Lesbrance. And I'm Travis Colnett. We are hosting a brand new podcast called Cutscenes. There are tons of video game podcasts and tons of TV film podcasts, but we're going to bring you the intersection of both and talk about video game, movies, and TV. I know what you're thinking. Aren't most of them not very good? Wrong. Some of them are fine. And we're going to tell you all about them. Make sure to subscribe on your podcasting platform of choice. Follow us on Twitter at Cutscenes underscore pod. And most importantly, give us a listen. See you soon. Cutscenes, a video game movie podcast.